Thank you for listening to the Maranatha Fellowship Podcast. We hope this message will inspire, challenge, and encourage you to grow closer to Christ. If you're in the Anchorage area, we invite you to be our guest during our morning Sunday worship service at 11 a.m. For directions, or if you would like more information about us, please visit akmaranatha.com. All right. Well, it's been really nice to have uh, Pastor Greg and Donna Doss with us. Um, Greg and Donna have been in ministry for three decades. They've they've served as pastors of five churches in four different states. Um, they have three grown children, married children, and six grandchildren. <clears throat> and if you didn't know, uh, Pastor Greg and Donna are Zach's parents. So I hope you already made that connection. Uh, I felt like the other day, Zach, I looked at you and I thought, man, you're looking more and more like your dad every day. And so uh, <laughs> it's been good to have them with us. Uh, a couple weeks ago, we hosted a mission team from Kansas. And um, it's crazy when you kind of you do that. There's a bunch of teenagers running around all the time. But uh, I just I noticed while we were working that, uh, you know, Pastor Greg and Donna, they helped us out a lot. They jumped in where they could and served with us. And we did uh, work on our CPC Pregnancy Center. And uh, you can see, I could see by the kind of pastor he was um, by how he related to people. And you could see that the kids loved to be around him. I think they called him Peepaw. I don't know if you gave him that name or they made that name up or Trenton made that name up. So, But the kids loved him and uh, I really could see something of what it must have been like to be in your church. And so there's a, there's a beauty to that. Uh, you can see he really cares about people and he loves the Word of God. And uh, I hope you guys know your greatest legacy are your kids. And we've been blessed to have uh, Zach and Kara come with us on our road to ministry. And uh, there are many things that we couldn't have done without them. And I think a lot of their uh, intensity on the things of ministry and a lot of their work ethic comes from you guys. And so I want to say thank you to you, and it's a great honor. Uh, I hope you'll see it as a great tribute to you guys um, uh, Zach likes to joke around, and I can see where he gets that from. Uh, but when it comes time for serious things of ministry, he knows how to do that too. And I think that's a great tribute to you, Pastor Greg and uh, Donna. We're glad to have you with us during your time of transition. Would you come and share the Word of God to us today? Amen. I told him we'd be ready to receive. Are you ready to receive? Amen. Thank you, Pastor Luke. Hey, we're on. Amen. God is good and all the time. And uh, somebody said, what are y'all still doing up here? Now, I can take that two ways. Either you're ready for us to go. Now, Hezekiah said uh, the other night, uh, I went and checked on him before he went to bed. And I said, I said he says, when are y'all leaving? You wonder if parents are not talking. But, and, uh, but he said, when are y'all leaving? I said, Hezekiah, are you ready for us to go? And he said, no, I don't want you to go. I said, do you want us to live with you forever? No, I want you to find your own place, but I don't want you to leave. <laughs> Kids are truthful, amen? And, uh, but we, it has been a privilege. We are in transition. We uh, stepped away from our last pastorate. Uh, just some things going on, and uh, uh, we were there about a year and a half, and uh, sometimes things just don't work out. But God's got it all in control. Can you say amen? And Zach and Kara have been extremely, extremely gracious to let us come up and hang out and hinder them as much as we can. And it has been a privilege, a privilege to be and visit and kind of join in and be part of Maranatha for a little while. 
If you need a place of healing, if you need a place of restoration, this is an awesome place. And uh, just, just real quick before we get into the Word, we came up in February, and uh, uh, Mama D, that's my wife Donna, now they call me, my grandkids call me Big Daddy. I don't know why, but they just call me Big Daddy. And, uh, but, and the kids from Kansas heard that, and so they called me Big Daddy Peepaw. And uh, so they just na- nicknamed it both. They said, what do you do? I said, well, I'm a pastor. Oh, you're a pastor. Pastor Big Daddy Peepaw, you know. But Trenton nailed me with that name Peepaw. So, uh, and so I, I have not adopted him as yet, but like I said, <laughs> the court's still out on that. But I preached a message, Pastor Luke so graciously allowed us to preach last time. I preached a message called Martha, Addison, and Mary Cures, talking about dealing with stress. And, uh, and what you didn't realize, that message was more for me than it was for anybody else. Uh, and like I said, I'm just in a roundabout way to give a, the glory to the Lord because it all goes to Him. And what y'all didn't realize, we were in the midst of an extremely, extremely stressful situation where we were at. And it affected me so much that it affected my health. And about three or four days before we came up here in February, I began to have shake uncontrollably. I would pick up a coffee pot, I'd pick up something with weight, and I would begin to shake. I didn't say anything to my wife. I tried to keep it hid. I tried to... uh, I kept away from my kids, didn't say anything to anybody. But after I preached that message, uh, and we prayed for everybody at the altar, Pastor Luke was standing there by me. And I got Pastor Luke, your pastor, to pray for me. I told him, he was the first person I told what was going on. And from that day to this, I've not had that problem anymore. And I say all that to give glory to God, number one, but you need to be thankful for your pastor. Not only is he an extremely gifted teacher and preacher and pastor, but I'm thankful for a man who loves the Word of God. I'm thankful for the man who lives the Word of God. And I'm thankful for the man who is in touch with the Word of God. And he spends time in prayer with the Lord on his knees that when his people or someone needs prayer, he can get a hold of God. And so, uh, like I said, Pastor Luke, thank you for praying for me because from, from that time to this, I've not had that problem anymore. Thank you, Lord. And so, uh, are you ready for the word this morning? Isaiah chapter 58, verse 12. Isaiah chapter 58, verse 12. Pastor Luke, I touched base with him yesterday, and uh, I said, Pastor Luke, it's been since April since I preached. I said, so they may be in trouble. And uh, so, like he said, he said, he said, well, I preach from 45 minutes to an hour, so we'll try to keep it that short if we can. Don't get worried. Amen. Amen. John is checking his watch already. Amen. Let's stand as we read the Word of God, in honor of the Word of God, not in honor of the man behind the pulpit by no means, but faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Those from among you shall build the old waste places. You shall raise up the foundations of many generations. And you shall be called the repairer of the breach, the restorer of streets to dwell in. I want to talk to us for a few moments today about the repairer of the breach. Father, we thank you and we praise you for your word, for it is spirit and it is life. Lord, you spoke through your prophet Isaiah. But Lord, he was prophesying about you because you are the repairer of the breach. Lord, and we ask, Lord, for your help today. Lord, I cannot do this. Don't even want to try without the anointing of your spirit. 
But God, we need your anointing. As, as the word went forth this morning, as the prayer, prophetic prayer went forth this morning, open our eyes, open our ears, open our hearts to receive what you have for us, Lord. What you have for us, Lord. To bring healing, to bring help, to bring hope in every area of our lives. We thank you for this time. We thank you for the freedom we have to worship you. And so, Lord, have your way in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Thank you for standing. You may be seated. A repairer of the breach. That word repair in the original language means to wall in, to wall around, to close up, to fence up, to hedge, to enclose, to make up. And I like this definition means to repair. Well, what is a breach? It is a break. It's a breaking forth. It's a cracking. It's a dismantling. There are times in life as we walk this road of life that we can come into contact with or deal with things that can have a tremendous effect on our lives. Some for the better. And we like those times. But then some that are worse. Some things that are very hard. Some things that are very difficult. Some things that are very emotionally and mentally overwhelming and very difficult to face and to go through. Some of these times are simply because of the twist and turns that life throws our way. If anybody ever told you life is fair, it's not. But thank God for Jesus. Can you say amen? Sometimes we can find ourselves feeling broken because of, in the the midst of these times, by wrong choices, mistakes, or missteps, or possibly sins on our own part. But sometimes these times can come because of actions of others, things that are completely out of our control, but in the control of others, that severely affect us in tremendous ways. When these times come, and we don't enjoy them when they come, it can cause us to feel depressed. It can cause us to feel down. It can cause us to feel discouraged. It can cause us to feel broken or out of sorts. It can cause us to feel alone and ashamed and confused. We may even feel that there is nothing or none, no one that can help fix what we are going through. It's almost like a a wall or a structure or a foundation in our hearts or in our minds or emotions that we have relied on and rested on and felt security in for so long that has become broken down or in disrepair. And we're not sure where to turn for help or if there is any help or if we're going to have to stay in this shape forever. Well, I just came by to tell you today that there is one that knows how to deal with our brokenness. There is one that knows how to repair our foundation. There is one that knows how to put the blocks back in place and to restore and repair and help our lives to recover. Can you say amen? Can you help me say his name? His name is Jesus. Say it again. Jesus. Say it again. Jesus. He understands what you're going through. He knows what you've been through. He knows how you got there. He knows how you're feeling today. He knows what it is like to feel broken with simply no, seemingly nowhere to turn to. He said through his servant David as a reflection and a prophecy, a prophetic word that David gave of what Jesus was going through on the cross. Psalm 69 verse 20, reproach has broken my heart and I am full of heaviness. 
I looked for someone to take pity, but there was none. And for comforters, but I found none. They also gave me gall for my food and for my thirst. They gave me vinegar to drink. Jesus knows what we are going through. He knows what it feels to be broken. He knows what it feels to be, to seem like no one cares. His best man, his best disciple, Peter, denied him. All his disciples in his hour of need left him. Even when he got on the cross and he was nailed between heaven and earth, even there his father, because of my sin and your sin debt, had to turn away because he couldn't look upon the sin as he paid my sin debt and your sin debt on that cross of Calvary. Even there the father had to look away and Jesus cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He knows what it's like to feel broken. He knows what it's like to feel all alone. He knows what it's like to feel shattered. Oh, but three days later, he came out of that grave with victory and healing in his wings. Can you say amen? And because of that, the Bible tells us in Hebrews chapter 4, Seeing then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly, to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Jesus knows what it's like to be broken. He's not only moved when we are dealing with brokenness in our hearts and lives, but He is moved to the point of action and involvement. It is Christ's desire. It is Jesus' desire to heal and repair the brokenness in our lives. To fix the walls that have been shattered, the, the things that have become in disrepair, the cracks, the holes in our lives. To repair the brokenness, to restore us, and to make us whole. That's what Calvary is all about, can you say amen? He is the repairer of the breach in our lives. I want us to look at just a few things today. Some areas and some people that he likes to repair. He's the repairer of the breach of the brokenhearted. Isaiah 61, verse 1. He said, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. He sent him to heal who? The brokenhearted. To proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of prison to those who are bound. This is the same scripture that Christ quoted when he came out of the wilderness and began his earthly ministry in Luke chapter 4, verse 18. Same scripture. In other words, he was just fulfilling what the, the Lord, his Father, had sent him to do. He sent him to heal the brokenhearted. That word heal, listen to what it means. It means to heal, to, to wrap up, to bind up, to give relief, to heal the who? To heal the brokenhearted. Brokenhearted means those who feel destroyed, those who've been broken down, those who've been torn, those who have been hurt. I don't know about you, but I've been there. Anybody else been there in your life? Come on, somebody. Anybody? He came to heal the brokenhearted. And I saw something else there in Isaiah 61, verse 1. He came, sent me to heal the brokenhearted and to proclaim liberty to the captives and the op- opening of the prison to those who are bound. When people are broken in their hearts, when people are broken in their minds, their brokenness binds them. They are bound by the brokenness of the things in their past. 
They're bound by the brokenness, by the things that are going on in their present. But here's what's worse. They are bound by the, from the, from the blessings and the promises that God has for them in the present and in the future because of the brokenness and they don't know where to turn. But again, there is one to turn to and his name is Jesus Christ. So many things in life can cause us to have a broken heart. And to feel broken, to feel mentally, emotionally, and physically bankrupt and helpless. And we long for help. We long for strength. We long for answers and salvation from the Lord. When we find ourselves in that place, we don't think anyone cares, but that's a lie from the devil. I'm going to say that's a lie from the devil. He's the father of lies. Because Jesus wants you to know when you're in that place of brokenness, when you feel like everything is falling apart around you, you're in the right place and you're in the right moment. You're in the right shape for God to come alongside you and meet you and mend you and bless you and restore you, not to where you were at, but farther than you've ever been before. Can you say amen? Psalms 34 verse 18 says, The Lord is near to those who have a broken heart. He's not afar off. He's near to those who have a broken heart. And saves such as have a contrite spirit. When our hearts are broken, when we don't feel like anybody's close, that's when God is closest to us. Can you say amen? Had a personal friend of mine, minister friend, his older minister friend, served on a sectional committee with him. Name was Charles Littlefield. I call Brother Charles a modern-day Job. Modern-day Job. We served on that sectional committee. He was uh, the assistant president. I was the sectional secretary. And many times when we would have a meeting or something, him and I would talk afterwards. His mother and father were tremendous people of God, and they both fell sick about the same time, and he lost his parents. So he said, well, Brother Dawson, a lot of people do that. I understand that. And so that was very heavy. He was very close to his parents. So we prayed with him through that. Then all of a sudden he had to have hip surgery. And he passed out while preaching one Sunday morning because of the result of something that didn't go right in the hip surgery. They got him a doctor's appointment, took him to the doctor's office, and he died in the doctor's office. They brought him back to life. Literally had an out-of-body experience, and that's a whole other story. Then after he got over that, his wife had a bad wreck and broke her back. All the time while he's pastoring, this man is tremendously gifted, a tremendous preacher, a tremendous servant of the Lord, but he's pastoring a struggling church. I said, Brother Charles, what are you going to do? He said, I'm just going to keep loving him. I'm going to keep serving him the best I can. His wife had that broken back, so he had to minister to her. All these things going on. And then all of a sudden, after that, they got through with that. He came down with a brain tumor. But I never heard the man complain. I never heard him call, get mad at God. The only thing I would ever hear him, because he would get phone calls from people in his church and people that he had ministered to, and he would say, the Lord is near or God is near. And he would always say, God is faithful. See, because he knew that even in his times of brokenness, even in his times of heartache, even in times when life had done him wrong, he knew that's when God was closest to him. And he's always say, God is faithful. I had the privilege to preach his home going. And so what an awesome time to be, to be able to encourage that family, to let them know that God is faithful and God is near even in our times of brokenness. I want to share with you that God comes near. He's near to the brokenhearted and he binds up their wounds. Can you say amen? He's near to those who are of a crushed spirit. A contrite. That word contrite means a crushed spirit. Psalms 147 verse 3. 
He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wound. That word binds means he, he the, the wounds means the pain, the hurt, the injury, the sorrows. He binds up their wounds. Listen to the, the definition for binds in the, in the original language. It means to wrap firmly, to stop, to rule. In other words, when, when God comes on the scene, when we bring Him our brokenness, whatever that brokenness may be, God binds up, He wraps it in His love. He wraps it in His mercy. He wraps it in His healing. He wraps it in His grace. He binds up the wounds. He stops the bleeding. You can't, healing doesn't begin till the bleeding is stopped. But once the bleeding, once the pressure is applied, the bleeding will stop and healing can begin. Jesus stops the bleeding. But one of the other things says he binds up their wounds. It means that word, that word binds literally means to rule. I said, that's unusual. You, here you got somebody binding something. What does it mean for him to rule? You know what the Holy Spirit told me? He said, I take authority over it. I take authority over that brokenness. I take authority. He begins to take control of your brokenness. Can you say amen? Because when he's in control, then healing can come. Hope can be restored. Joy can be restored. Life can be restored. Can you say amen? Because he takes authority of our brokenness. Can you say amen? Whatever the case, Jesus is the repairer of the breach of the broken heart. He desires to repair the breach of the broken in spirit. Our spirit man, the rational soul, would makes us alive and preserves us after de- the death of the body. Job cried out in Job 17 verse 1, My spirit is broken, my days are extinguished, the, way, the grave is ready for me. Because of all that Job had, was facing and felt and, and all that he had been through, he knew and he felt that his spirit was broken. He was, his spiritual man was broken because of all the calamities that had fallen upon him. It affected every area of his life. When our spirit is broken, it affects us to the very depths of our soul. But when our spirit is broken, listen to me, it affects every area of our lives as well. It can affect even our physical bodies. Proverbs 17, 22 says, A merry heart does good like medicine. But a broken spirit dries the bones. Life in the body results from the marrow that is in our bones. And as long as the marrow that is in our bones is healthy, then our bones will be healthy. Our cells will be healthy. Our physical makeup will be healthy. But when that marrow gets dried up and diseased, the rest of the body becomes sick. He says a broken spirit affects the very depths of our soul. Can you say amen? Nothing has such as a direct ability to ruin our health and drain our life source as things like grief, anxiety, heartache, hardship, fear, worry, bitterness, or anger. We could go on and on. All those things break our spirit. Just as the marrow in the bones is depleted, such is our spiritual strength and vitality when our spirit is broken. We can feel spiritually empty. Spiritually dry, spiritually all alone, spiritually that the, there's no hope. In fact, Proverbs chapter 18 verse 14 says this, The spirit of man will sustain him in sickness, but who can bear a broken spirit? The spirit of a man will sustain him in sickness, but who can bear a broken spirit? I like the message translation. A healthy spirit conquers adversity, but what can you do when the spirit is crushed? 
What can you do when the spirit is cursed? What do we do when our spirit is broken? What do we do when life's not been fair? What do we do when situations in our family or situations on our job or situations with our children or situations with our health has broken our spirit? What do we do? We cry out to the Lord. Can you say amen? The Bible says we come boldly to the throne, not when everything is going right, not when we're feeling good, not when everything's going correctly in our life. He says come boldly to the throne room of grace that we may find mercy and find grace to help when? In time of need. The times we don't feel like we should come to Him, that's when He says, that's when I want you come to come to me, in your time of need. Because why? Because He's the repairer of the breach. He's the repairer of the brokenness. We must call out to the Lord. Psalms 51, 17. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. These, O oh God, you will not despise. God's not going to turn you away. God's not going to turn you away. You ever, you ever been somewhere around, around somebody that's a, uh, that, that's always sick and if someone else gets sick, they're going to get the same sickness? What do you call that kind of person? hypochondria you ever been around somebody like that and you dread to see them coming because you know everything ain't going to be all right no matter what you ask hello don't look at them they're not here but god doesn't turn us away when things are really going on in our lives, when things are going on in us emotionally and things are going on in us mentally, things are going on in us spiritually that are just not right, that are causing us to feel broken and shattered and everything's crumbling around us, that's when God draws near. He a broken and contrite heart. He will not despise. He will not turn you away. Verse 34, verse 18 again says this, The Lord is near to those who have a broken heart and saves such is have a contrite spirit. Those that have a crushed spirit, look what he does. He saves them. He frees them. He delivers them. He rescues. He preserves. He gives you the victory. Can you say amen? When we call upon him. I love what Isaiah 57 verse 15. For thus says the high and lofty one who inhabits eternity, whose name is holy. I dwell in the high and holy place with him who is has a contrite and humble spirit. To revive the spirit of the humble. To revive the heart of the contrite ones. What do we say? God is the repair of the breach for those who are broken in heart. Though God is the repair of the breach for those who are broken in spirit. He says, I dwell in a high holy place. And part of the reason of my dwelling is so that I can bring revival to you. That I can revive you. That word revive means to give life. To make alive. To repair. To restore. To make whole. He says, I'm going to revive the humble. That word humble in the original language means to be depressed and be humiliated. When life has turned sour around you, when others have put you down, when life puts you down and you feel depressed, discouraged, down and humiliated, God says, I want to come right alongside of you. I want to lift you up out of that pit of depression. I want to lift you up out of that pit pit of humiliation. And I want to revive you. I want to strengthen you. I want to give you life and hope and joy and peace again. I'm not talking about something that's pie in the sky. I'm talking about what Jesus and the Father said they would do for you and I. Can you say amen? He says to revive the spirit of humble and to revive the heart of the contrite ones, those who have been crushed. He is the repair of the breach of the broken in spirit. 
You know, we, we today, we've got so many things at our disposal, we can put on a good face. We can put on a good face. But God knows our heart. God knows. Are you broken in spirit today? Is your heart broke today? He's the repair of the breach for broken lives. He's the repair of the breach for broken lives. Lives that have been broken by difficult circumstances and situations. Sickness. Sin. Failures of the past. Problems in the present. Hardships. All through Jesus' ministry, He saved, He healed, He delivered, He repaired the broken lives of so many in society that society and others, even the religious crowd, had given up on. The demon-possessed man at Gadara. Man run around naked and lived in the graves. They tried to bind him with ropes. They tried to bind him with chains, but they couldn't bind him. See, they were binding him, trying to control him. But Jesus says, I want to bind you up. I don't want to bind you down. I want to lift you up. I don't want to tie. He took his 12 best guys across a storm-tossed sea to a man that nobody could control because he wanted to set him free from his brokenness. Can you say amen? There was another lady. Oh, she was bound. Had an issue of blood for 12 years. The Bible says she spent some of what she had. No, it says she spent all of what she had on physicians and suffered many things by them. She's broke financially. She's broke. She didn't grow any better. She got worse. She's broke physically. Can you imagine her emotional state? Can you imagine her mental state? She's broken mentally. She's as broke as you can get. The religious crowd has not helped her. In fact, she's an outcast because of her issue. And she didn't do anything to cause her issue. She's just a victim of the circumstance. But she's broken in every way she could be. But she said, if I could just get to him. Woo! I hear Jesus is coming by today. You might as well get in this thing. The quicker you get in, the quicker we get through. Come on, somebody. If I could just touch the hem of his garment. If I can just get in touch with Jesus, I shall be made whole. Jesus has got a crowd around him. Everybody's clamoring around him. Everybody's touching him. But somebody touched him. She pressed through the shame. She pressed through the, the ridicule. She pressed through her brokenness. And she got to Jesus. And immediately the fountain of her blood drew up. And she was healed physically. She's healed emotionally. She's healed mentally. I guarantee you when she goes back home, everything else starts falling into place as well. All because she pressed through her brokenness to get to Jesus. Man had a demon-possessed son. Years. The religious just questioned how he got there. The disciples even walked with Jesus every day. Were not in the shape spiritually or mentally to take care of the problem. Jesus said, bring him to me. If you can believe. All things are possible. Can you imagine the heart of that father? Can you imagine the brokenness of that dad seeing that boy like that? It's the heart of a parent. I know what it's like when your children are hurting or suffering. Can you imagine the heart of that dad? But Jesus said, bring him to me. Jesus cast the demons out of that boy. Restored him to his father. But he also restored that father from his brokenness. Can you say amen? woman that was caught in the very act of adultery. 
I don't know why they didn't bring the old boy. He had to be called as well. It takes two to tango. But she's broken and ashamed. In her greatest point of need, Jesus doesn't condemn her. They said, our law says that she is to be stoned and died. Jesus just begins writing on the ground. He said, let you who are without sin cast the first stone. Kneels back down and writes a little more and all they all back off. He said, woman, where are your accusers? She said, nowhere, nowhere, Lord. He said, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. He saved her when? In her brokenness. My Bible tells me that Jesus is the same. Is Jesus the same Jesus that He was then? No. Pastor Luke, you better explain this quick. (laughs) Keep in mind, all these things happened before Calvary. All these things happened before the outpouring of the Holy Ghost. Jesus has won the victory. He has risen from the dead. He is seated at the Father's right hand. He has poured out the baptism of the Holy Spirit. He's greater now than He was then. Can you say amen? He was awesome then, but He's even more awesomer. I know that's not a word, but this is this other boy preaching. He's more awesomer now than He was then. Can you say amen? And if He did it for them then, He can do it for you and I today, no matter what kind of brokenness we're dealing with. He's the repairer of the breach for broken lives. Thank you. I'll, I'll be, I'll answer that in just a minute. He's a repairer of the breach for broken relationships. Now, if you heard me preach before, you've seen me do this, but, and I know what time it is, but how many of you give me five more minutes? Five, 10, 15, 20, we're good. Listen very closely. If you're dealing with a broken relationship, Matthew chapter 18, verse 18 and 19 says, Surely I say to you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Again, I say to you that if two of you agree on earth concerning anything that they ask, it would be done for them by my Father in heaven. So many times we use this scripture for coming in agreement in prayer, and it works for that. It works for that. I preach that. But if we take that Scripture passage in context completely, if we look at the two verses above it, and we look at the two to three or four verses beneath it, it all has to deal with people that have broken relationships. It all talks about even dealing with how to have a relationship restored. See, let me let you understand some Relationships are important to God. Relationships are important to Jesus. Relationships are important to the Holy Spirit. Relationships are important to you and I as well. Can you say amen? Jesus said if two can come together and both be willing to work out their differences, He is right there in the middle, helping, healing, leading, guiding, encouraging, restoring, rebuilding that relationship. But two people can come together and it can happen. But it takes both parties to be willing to work it out. If they are, and if they ask, something else happens. Verse 20 says, Jesus said, If two or three shall agree as touching anything, there I will be in the midst of them. 
But in verse 19, it says something else. Look, look what it says in verse 19. I love this. Again, I, I say to you, if two of you agree on earth concerning anything that they ask, it will be done before them by my Father in heaven. Not only will Jesus be in the midst, the Heavenly Father says, I'm going to make this happen because relationship is important. Can you say amen? He helps restore and repair broken relationships, whether it be relationships in family, whether it be relationships with friends or acquaintances, whether it be relationships in marriages, whether it be relationships in churches and church folks. Jesus comes along if both parties are willing and he says, the enemy that's come to steal, kill, and to destroy. But I came that you might have life. I came to so I can restore this relationship. He begins to help put the bricks back in place. The brick of forgiveness, the brick of love, the brick of mercy, the brick of grace. And as he begins to put the bricks back in place, that relationship begins to restore. That word repairer means he begins to wall in. He begins to protect. He begins to rebuild that relationship. Can I tell you something else? That when Jesus gets in the middle and the Father gets in the middle of rebuilding, building that relationship it doesn't get back to the place it was it gets stronger than it's ever been i have personally personally walked in places where i had people come against me i know that's hard to believe i know that's hard to believe as wonderful a guy as i am lord forgive me of pride amen but when i made an effort then i was willing to go to my brother or go to my sister and say you know what let's work this out it doesn't matter if they were wrong it doesn't matter if i was wrong the deal is that we've got to restore the relationship. And when I would make the effort to have that relationship restored, to see that relationship, and we ask for God's help, let's, look, let's lay that thing aside. Did it hurt? Absolutely. Was there pain? Absolutely. Can we get beyond it? Maturity as a Christian says you've got to. When I begin to do that, guess what happens? I've seen it personally in my life. The relationship that I had with that person after that becomes extremely strong. I got a chance to meet Phil's parents, Mike and Janet. We have some extremely good friends in Ozark, Alabama, named Mike and Janet. Mike's one of my best friends. But him and I didn't start out that way. Like two bulls in a china closet hitting heads. That's a southern term. In other words, you just... And never mind, I ain't going to explain it. But when Mike and I began to sit down and work through our differences, we found out we had more in common. And he became one of my best friends. You said, Brother Doss, I've tried to work out with somebody. What happens when you don't? you still got to do your part. You've still got to try. You've still got to walk in love. Doesn't say you have to be a doormat. you still got to forgive. Can you say that word with me? Forgive. See, because you've got to heal your brokenness and the only way you can do that is forgive. Because you, if you don't, you will never receive healing. You will never receive help. You will never receive hope. Because the Bible tells us if we forgive men their trespasses, our Heavenly Father will forgive us. Well, we like that part. But it says if you, we don't forgive men their trespasses or women their trespasses, neither will your Heavenly Father forgive your trespasses. In other words, for my brokenness and my shattered dreams and my foundation to be fixed, I've got to be willing to forgive that other person that wronged me no matter what they're willing to do or not. 
I've got to, we have this modern term, you be you. We've got to do, we've got to be, be us, but we've got to do it in obedience to the word. And in the process, God will heal you. Well, what do I do about the other person? You may have to get away from them. But meanwhile, you pray for them that God will bless them, that God will change their heart, that somewhere down the line, they'll repent and get over it. Because see, the, the relationship they have against, or the problem they have against you is not near as critical as the problem they have with God. Y'all still with me this morning? Got 10 more minutes by three times. So that's 30 minutes. The most important relationship, and we're starting to close, that the Lord desires to repair and restore is the relationship we have with the Father. That's what heaven, Jesus was all about. He said, I came to seek and to save that which was lost because way back in the garden, sin, Brother John, sin separated us from God. But he already had a plan. The Bible says Jesus was slain from the foundation of the world. And he's appeared for this last time for you and I. The greatest relationship God wants to to restore and repair is the relationship between you and him. And it only comes through Jesus Christ. He also wants to repair those who are backslidden, those who once had a relationship with him, but are no longer where they need to be. It happens. I've been there. Those who once walked with the Lord, those who once prayed, those who once read their Bible, but somewhere along the line got distracted and drifted away from the Father. Meanwhile, he's not moved. He's standing there saying, hey, I want you back. I want you back. You say, is he going to be mad when I come back? Oh, you know what he wants to do? He walks to you. He's reaching out to you in love. He's reaching out to you in grace. He's reaching out to you in mercy. He's a, a good God. He's a loving God. He's a merciful God. He's a God of the third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh chance. Can you say amen? He wants that relationship restored. And to think about it with God, it's never on his part. The problem's never on his part. It's always on my part. But the Bible says he's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. We've got to just come back as we are, seeking his mercy and forgiveness. And as we do, we will find his grace and his love. David, one of my favorite Bible characters, because David was real. David blew it, man. Had an affair. Had the girl's husband murdered. David, if I'd have been God, I'd have wiped him off the map. There's times. If I'd have been God, I'd wipe me off the map. Oh, but God. David cried out, Create in me a clean heart, O God. And renew a right spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence and do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with your generous spirit. Keep in mind what we've been talking about. Broken hearts, broken spirits, broken relationships. David's relationship with God was broken. But David cried out, created me a clean heart and renew a right spirit in me, O God. The Holy Spirit gave me this yesterday. When the breach has been repaired between us and the Lord, listen to me very carefully. When the breach has been repaired between us and the Lord, all other areas of breach and brokenness in our lives begin to be mended by Him. 
When the breach has been repaired, when the brokenness, when the relationship is restored between us and the Lord, all other areas of brokenness in our lives begin to be repaired by Him. Here's the other side of the coin. If the breach, if the brokenness, if the relationship is not repaired between us and the Lord, all other areas in our lives will not be repaired. We will stay broken. There ain't enough alcohol to fix it. There ain't enough drugs to fix it. There ain't enough social media time to fix it. There's not enough psychologist couches to fix it. Only Jesus can heal the brokenness in the heart of man. Only Jesus can. And He wants to. He draws near. Can you say amen? He's a repair of the breach of broken relationships as well as all other areas. Will He do it for you? Absolutely. Will He do it for you? Absolutely. If you're willing, this same Jesus who repaired all the breaches and the brokenness of the lives we talked about will do the same for you and I. In all these areas, repair, renewing, restoration, healing begins when we bring it to the Lord. When we bring it to Him. When we bring it to Jesus. Because the Bible says, casting all your care upon Him, for He cares for you. One of the biggest things is not what somebody else thinks, but one of the biggest things, especially in churches, I've been in this thing a long time, one of the biggest things that holds people back from being healed of their brokenness is pride. Spiritual pride. If I go down there, they're going to think something wrong. Hey, I told people at our other church, nobody rides the altar more than I do. I stayed there all week. I made an altar at Zach's house. It's in the shop, in the back, in a chair. You know what? It don't matter what the surrounding is as long as you can get along with God. Can you say amen? But there's that scripture in Proverbs that says, pride goeth before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. That word destruction in the original language literally means a breaking or a breach. The longer we allow our pride to keep us from coming to Jesus, the longer the breaking is going to go on in our lives. And the haughty spirit and the pride, spiritual pride that we allow in our lives is going to cause everything. It says haughty spirit goes before the fall. In other words, everything is going to continue to fall apart. All we got to do is get to Jesus. Bring it to Jesus. He is the repairer of the breach. He is the healer of the brokenhearted. And He wants to do it for you today. So we were looking through our passages today. I saw in Psalm 60, or excuse me, Isaiah 61, verse 3, it talks about all that God's going to do for us. And then he talks about the great exchanges that takes place there. Beauty instead of ashes, oil of joy instead of mourning, a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. And then it says this, they will be called, those who have received this kind of healing, oaks of righteousness. Think of that. Oaks of righteousness. And then it says, for they will display his splendor. And it seems to me that this is the key behind all of this, is that God wants to do this so that in our lives, his glory is seen. Displays his splendor could be translated, displays his beauty. 
And so we walk around displaying the beauty of what God's done when he heals up the breaches in our walls. And so he's got it. He loves us. He wants to see it happen. But you realize that when he does that, it also makes his name well known. And so um, I, I pray that God will continue to uh, uh, work the work of restoring the breaches in our lives. Thank you, Pastor, for sharing um, Man, we need to look hard at what God is able to do in our lives and to trust Him for it. And so continue looking to Him for that. Thank you for joining us today. If this ministry has impacted you, we would love to hear about it. You're welcome to message us at akmaranatha.com forward slash contact or message us on Facebook at Maranatha Full Gospel Fellowship. We pray you are blessed by the message and have a wonderful week.